0: You know, I love the romantic scenes in movies. You know, a couple are brokenhearted over each other, out. You know, I love you. Well, I love you too. But you broke my heart, right? And it's raining. Okay, look. Yeah, right. If it's raining, I'm like, man, it's cold. Can we move? Because I can't focus. Like, that doesn't exist. Standing in the rain, talking romantically to each other, it doesn't exist. The other one is when people are actually kissing in the rain. That's a, come on, what a lie. I mean, if you think that works, you and your wife go do that and have one of your kids spray you with a hose and see if that works. <laughs> of course it doesn't work, but yet it creates an illusion like somehow this is what romance is, and you're waiting for the rain to pour, which is very cold falling from the sky. Unless you're in the Caribbean, it's going to be warm, but not here. I love workout videos. They create an illusion, right? I love it when people work out with a smile. Right? We know that doesn't work. I'm not smiling when I'm working out. I'm looking in the mirror thinking, man, this is I look rough and this is painful and I got 30 more minutes of this, right? I don't know what person works out like that. The thing is we're constantly bombarded by illusions. And so we actually have created this world and and we are part of creating this world that we don't even know what's real anymore. I mean, what is real? Uh, you know, you go down life, and part of the reason we have midlife crisis is because you get to a point where all of a sudden you realize you've lived most of your life, and you wonder whether or not you did it right, or what it's even all for. You, know, you look in the mirror, and then all of a sudden you just don't look the same. Remember back in the day when you used to wake up and you still looked all right? Now, maybe you wake up and it takes a while for everything to kind of look better you find you and the dog shaking you know <laughs> but we're caught by surprise when we shouldn't be because you know honestly we're just caught by surprise by life simply because we start creating all these illusions and all these different things and we buy into all these illusions that really aren't real uh, you know marriage you think marriage is going to go a certain way, and you, you watch all these movies, and honestly, cinema has been both good entertainment value and bad for our marriages because of the illusions that it creates. Intimacy, all of these different things. They're all, it's, it's all false. 80s music videos made us more dramatic. <laughs> but we're caught by surprise because we bought into it. Because we're susceptible to it. Because we believe that someone made a statue disappear. Because we try to make people believe that we look a way we don't. Because what we see in a perfectly created environment that takes many takes, that somehow that is our lives. but And what Christianity is supposed to look like. You know, it always amazes me. You know, Both of my parents, they're from Mexico, and you know, it gives you a very different perspective. So I would go, you know, I remember I would go to, my, uh, to a high school, and that high school was where all the military kids in El Paso lived. And so it was about as mixed as could get. I mean, you had everybody. I mean, not, not only did you have all the different races, but you had all the different races mixed with each other. It was so mixed, right? And then I'd come home to an all-Spanish-speaking home. You know, it was it was kind of different. And, you know, it helps you kind of understand a little bit about Christianity and how American and Western we've made Christianity and how much we've influenced it. And sometimes we create something that isn't. Very therapy-oriented. Very feelings-oriented. It's meant to stimulate you, make you feel good walking out that door. Sometimes... Even going to church is part of the illusion if you're not careful. So God, thankfully, calls us back to reality. You know, and I love what He does. He snaps us back. Somehow He'll call our our attention. Whether it was the hail from yesterday that makes you know I'm still God and in control of everything, right? You know, or 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 you, you see the sky above you. You see whatever's beneath you. I remember one time I was mowing my lawn, and I saw something in the lawn, and I decided to go take a closer look, and I love my lawn, let me tell you. And to think of all the little bugs that were actually in my lawn, I didn't realize that. And then I felt really bad when I called the exterminator, but, you know, it had to happen. But his creation, you know, his breath, our breath is a reminder of his presence because it's his breath, right? Right? So we start understanding after a while that, you know, everything that I'm believing about this life, it's actually not real because to a certain degree, this life isn't the reality. Spirituality is a reality. What is spiritual, that is what's real. You know, El Paso, there's mountains in the middle of the city. And when I pray, you can't help but to think that these mountains have seen so many people come and gone. So many people come and and go. And, And to think that, how many of these people actually really understood life or did they just fall for the illusion? So let's look at Luke chapter 12 verse 13 as our starting point here. It's pretty cool because they got a counter here. But it's good uh, it's good control because it counts down, not counts up. Well, that's a little different pressure right there. Luke 12:13 "'Someone in the crowd said to him, "'Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me.' "'Jesus replied, "'Man, who appointed me a judge or an arbiter between you?' Then he said to them, "'Watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. "'Life does not consist in the abundance of possessions.' "'And he told him this parable, "'The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest.' "'And he thought to himself, "'What shall I do? "'I have no place to store my crops.' Then he said, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones, and there I will store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it be with whoever stores up things for themselves but is not rich toward God. <clears throat> do you want to talk about a guy that got duped? by the illusion of possessions and wealth and everything else. I mean, he was the, the problem, not that he was wealthy and he had those possessions, it was how he looked at everything. If anything, he's to be commended for being prudent, handled his retirement well. But it was his outlook on life that somehow this was the life to invest in, that somehow this was the life to really build up, that this was the life that, he, that, you, that you really needed to be concerned with. And so he built his whole life to a moment that never came. What he thought he was going to enjoy. He refers to his possessions as my crops, my barns, my surplus grains. All an illusion. He was well invested in this life, but not the next. You know, it's not difficult to find stories like this. Yeah, in, in the real world, you know, it's something that's not a parable. You know, my stepfather, I love him, respect him. Uh, you know, he, he died some years back, uh, and um, he grew up in a very rough part of Juarez. So Juarez is already a rough city to begin with. So to grow up in a very rough part of Juarez, that's like a double whammy right there. And a double whammy, there's another 80s uh, reference right there, whammy. But anyways... So his parents, you know, he he grew up there and he saw a lot of things. When you live in a situation like that, you see a lot of tragedy. You see a lot of tough things. You see your parents and your family really go through through things that uh, really in in this world we're so separated from, it's kind of hard to imagine. And so his mom and dad eventually brought him over to the United States, him and all his brothers, I think there was like eight of them all together, and, and they brought him over to the United States, and he didn't do so hot here, he would get in a lot of trouble, he hung around the wrong people, and because of that, there were some consequences, so when he came time to getting on with life, he didn't know what he needed to, to do, he, he was stumped, he, know, he knew he didn't want to stay in that situation forever, so what he decided to do was, he said, well look, I need to go to college, and I can't pay for it, so I'm going to have to I'm going to have to join the army. The only problem was, it was there was a little something going on called the Vietnam War. But in order for him to go to college, he went a war. Like he made that conscious decision. Like this is the only way. And so he joins the military, goes to Vietnam, does two tours there. Comes back, survives war. And then after war, you know, uh, it, it's done. He, he manages to finish college, and he gets a job at a pretty large retailer. So uh, he, um, he actually does so well that he starts making uh, six-digit salaries, and this is in the 90s, uh, so that was actually pretty significant for a guy to go from his situation and to do that. Well, he meets my mom, and they get married, and, of course, they date for a while. Well, you know what? Three months before his retirement... Uh, you know, he had been diabetic for a while, and three months before his retirement, he went blind. The last month, everybody had to help him to finish his work so that he could retire well. You know, then he retired. Uh, but then six months later, you know, he got more sick. And six months after his retirement, he's, he, he's in, a, um, in a retirement home. And then his health continues to decline and he dies. I mean, this is a man that went a war, built his whole life to get to a certain point. And I say this respectfully because I really love the man. But I remember when they asked him, well, what do you want us to do with all your accomplishments, all the accolades, all the different things that you did? His answer was in an angry tone, what do they mean to me now? They mean nothing. I don't want them. Came to a point in his life where he saw life for what it was. But it was at the end. See, Jesus tells us these things so that we see life the way it is now. And not have to wait till the end. That's why I love, the reason I love being able to preach to marrieds and hang out with marrieds. I know we're missing the campus. uh, But it's great to be able to just be with, uh, with mostly marrieds is because I think this is something that plagues us. You know, we fall for the illusion of life, you know, whether we're a Christian or not, and we fall for this illusion of life, and we don't realize we're living the illusion, living the illusion, you know, and then we even go to a a church maybe or or, or practice our faith in a way that's an illusion, and and we don't realize that we keep reinforcing this illusion, and we're not snapping out of it, and we're not careful. You reach a certain point where you say, well, what did I do, and what was this for? Because all those careers that we work hard to do and everything, let me tell you, at the end of life, really, are you going to want them next to your casket? Or what are you going to want? See, it won't matter. Titles won't matter at that point. Even your home. Most of us may not enjoy the home we're in. It's about getting past the illusion. Getting past sin. That short term satisfaction. Short term satisfaction that just creeps in and helps and, and is all part of help creating the illusion. You know, it's so hard for I know young people to be able to understand what comes later on in life and, and why sin is such a big deal and, and really that adults are not just making rules for the sake of rules, but we've understood God. We understand why this is so important. The illusion. What is life about? What is Christianity really like? And it's such a plague. Such a plague because if you're not careful and you're not paying close attention, you will create an illusion for yourself. So there's a couple of ways we could avoid this. Well, I say a couple, but there's a few here actually. You know, the first thing is get the right mirror. You know, you have a true mirror, it really helps with illusions. I don't know about you guys, but um, I actually have a favorite mirror in the house. There's one mirror that makes me look better than all the other ones. No, no, I'm not lying. I mean, I know what I'm doing every time I look at that mirror. I hate the other mirrors because I'm chubbier in the other mirrors. So there's a mirror that gives me the jawline that I used to have. Maybe there's a highlighting there that makes my cheekbones be a little more defined like they used to be, right? No joke, there are mirrors in my house that I don't even look at. You know, because you start creating this illusion, you only want to look at what you want to look at, right? You know, that's part of the problem when you create the illusion. You want to, you just want to see what you want to see. And after a while, that's what you do. So you, you create your own illusions. You, you even pick a church, not a church that challenges you. Not, you don't pick a group or friends that challenge you or call you higher. You pick friends that help, with, to, for, that help you keep your illusion. How bizarre is that, that you pick people that help you keep your illusion? I mean, how, how, where, where do we get in our minds that that is what happens? And then you pick friends that just, you have an understanding, a nod, you know, kind of like when you're the same race as somebody else, right? When someone's Hispanic, not all the time. They don't always know I am. You know, I have to kind of sometimes maybe give a little more information. But, but once they get it, you look at each other and you're like, and they go. <laughs> like we get each other, right? We get each other. You know, and, but sometimes you pick friends that are like that. You got your illusion? I got mine. Even within the church. You know things you got to change, but you keep the illusion. You think an emotional experience at church is somehow, somehow snaps the illusion. Sometimes it just reinforces it. See, the true mirror is the Bible. It's the one that really, just the scripture You know that Justin shared. It's what really makes you look and say, man, is this who I am? Is this what I am? This is what I need to do. It should even define our friendships. That mirror asks, and makes you ask yourself, what, what, what do I have that will last? And then you're able to align your life accordingly. The second thing you've got to do is have a life that is enough. Be on guard against all sorts of greed. That's just not money. That's just, just not lust. It's just when somehow you don't know limits And you don't know that point where it's good enough. There's a scripture in Ecclesiastes, chapter 5. And it says, Whoever loves money never has enough. And whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with their income. This too is meaningless. As goods increase, so do those who consume them. And what benefit are they to the owners except to feast their eyes on them? I mean, so it's just... Sometimes you're you're so busy working to maintain a home instead of investing spirituality Well, there's a reason you're too tired to be able to invest in god. It's you're too invested here See, you can't do both if your home is too much for you And you're too tired from trying to keep it And that's why you say you can't reach out to god Then why keep the illusion of a home and wasted life over god You know, commercials make us believe we need things, right? They make us believe that we need the newest car, the newest contouring makeup. Just kidding. I have no idea really what I'm talking about when it comes to that. I just saw the pictures and was floored, you know? But it's about being secure and being content. It's about being on guard against distractions, one of the big sins that I see, especially with my generation, my and I'm talking my generation of, of dads and, and moms, is you know, our obsession with kids' extracurricular activities. And God gave my three boys athletic talent. Oh, those guys can play. My little one especially, man, that guy's a beast. But you know what I see a lot of is, is parents that are so involved in that that they are just. They're letting years go by, and they don't even realize that they're just around their kids, not even with their kids. I mean, they're wasting time with their kids, and they don't really realize it. All for what? Let's say they do get a Division I scholarship. Well, then so what? I'm not going to trade my time with my kids. You know, let them take out some student loans. No, I'm kidding. No, no, let's (laughs) let them try. Let's, Let's see what we could do. Academics is a good route. But that's a distraction. you got to limit what your kids do. Why pass on the illusion? I want them to have a spiritual inheritance. I don't want to give them an illusion. Be good at limits. Limits in your life. What can you do? What can't you do? And make sure that it never, never, ever get with God. One of the things I've had to do, actually, is really get involved with uh, the, the baseball league that we're a part of. I've I let it known. Hey, I, I tell them all that I'm a minister. You know, I coach. I, ha- I happily coach. Uh, but I told them, I'm like, look, man, no matter what, under no conditions can I play on Sundays between these, this time. You know, and I'm the only guy that requests that. You know, it's so funny. Every, all of the team was worried that I was requesting this. Like maybe they weren't going to schedule his games. You know, now every time some of the other league guys text me, they always say, amen. But if you're not willing to make that decision, you're not going to get close to God and you're not going to break the illusion. And honestly, some of us even, even here, we, it's just a lot of illusion buying because we're susceptible. Sometimes we're not doing well spiritually because, because we've just made some series of decisions to get us there and it takes a series of decisions to go back the other way. Be rich toward God. It's amazing that we could be too poor towards God. Where we start giving the leftovers of our lives rather than the best. Right. You know, like, well, like we said, we come in tired. And look, I, I get it. Brendan and I sometimes, we're just tired. Life moves pretty fast, right? I mean, you even get like first world problem tired. You know what first world problem tired is? Yeah. You know, it's just like, you know, I'm, I'm part of a, a tennis club. I don't, I don't know how to feel about that. I don't know how to feel about that. But anyways, so I'm part of a tennis club. You know, and I try to quit the tennis club. We've had a great ministry there. It's been awesome. But, you know, our van broke down, as some of you guys know about. And, uh, and so, you know, I try to quit this tennis club because I need that money to be able to go to the van. And then once I catch up, then I'll go back to the tennis club. You know, two guys decided to pay my membership for the year. Okay, tennis clubs are not cheap. They pay my membership for a year. And there was a part of me that was complaining that now I have to keep playing tennis. (laughs) I mean, wow. I'm glad I got a wife that was like, really? You've gone there? But you know, it's so funny how we have such luxuries. We complain about such luxuries. And then we don't give those things to God. And and so it makes sense. This life is about sacrificing, sacrificing to a great God. And it takes no problem in sacrificing to that God. It's good to be rich towards God, to study the Bible, to find out how do I give to God. How do I make sure that I'm able to offer my sacrifices and do it in the right way where it pleases God? What do I need to do so that I don't buy into an illusion? Not just an illusion in life, but even an illusion in my faith, illusion in in Christianity, uh, that I fall into an illusion even on Sundays. I, I mean, that I'm really deep, and that I have friends that are good mirrors. Not just the friends that say, yeah, yeah, you're skinny. You know? I was going to make a joke when I first got up here. I'm like, yeah, I know, I know. You thought I was going to be taller. You know what I mean? Uh, but, but, you know, you have a mirror that, that people tell you the right thing. And if you're not in a place like that or you don't have friends like that, whether you're in the church or not, let me tell you, you're in trouble. You know, because after a while, things change and you change and you just need people telling the truth. I mean, which of us really thinks we still have the body to go ahead and take out those mesh half-shirts we used to wear back in the day? Oh, no? I wore those. Back then, I could. You know, you wore them too, Alan. You can't sit here before God. God. You don't get that pretty and not wear half-mesh shirts, half-shirt-mesh shirts. All right. But thankfully, there was a time where, hey, it was time to stop wearing stuff like that. Someone was real with me, right? Hey, you're past that. Hey, maybe you should comb your hair the other way. sounds rough but i'd rather be told rather than live the illusion that i'm still have the full set of hair don't be looking at my hair afterwards either but all of these things see the thing is god has given us a great reality and when when you look at what he gives us a life full of meaning a life that you don't despise what you did with your life at the end a life that your accomplishments you don't despise them you know, that you don't despise what you gave yourself over to. But then instead, you're able to, to, to say, you know, what do you want said about you? And you could say, you know, well, just tell, tell people how I lived. Tell people I served God. Tell people what I gave God. Tell people that what I did for my kids to pass on my faith to God. Because at the end of life, that is, that is living by the truth and not the illusion. And people tend to move on happier. You know, as, as we close off today, really the main thing is, is if you're going to decipher, you know, if, you're gonna, if you're really going to understand what real Christianity is, discern real Christianity, well, then we've got to start removing the illusions that are there. And sometimes that means changing our friends. That means getting together with people that are going to be just a little more real. That means looking at the Bible in a way to not just let it say what you want to hear, but let it just really speak to you. But to be, and also, but to be able to just look at God and say, you know, I know that whatever reality you have for me is going to be the best reality. So let's really go after it. No one wants to live a lie. No one wants to live a lie. And I'm thankful that we have a God that is determined to never let us live a lie. Amen? Thank you, guys. So, at this point... I'm going to go ahead and pray for communion, amen? Uh, Father Almighty, uh, we thank you that you uh, are a God, that um, uh, that you shepherd us so well. Uh, your determination for us uh, is so great and so comforting uh, to see uh, that, uh, A, you never give up, uh, but that you approach helping us with a determination, uh, and, and even to the point of sending your son to die on a cross, uh, to forever shock the world, uh, to... Uh, for, forever let us have a point that we could be pulled out uh, of, uh, of whatever illusion we may be living by. And help us to really be able to understand uh, that, God. Help us to have the courage uh, to be able to stop living the illusion. Surround us with people that, uh, that will really help us to be able to get back to your son and, and what he did on the cross and, and provide us a path back to, uh, to that awesome and incredible reality. We love you. We pray this in your son's name. Amen.